Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Tony, for allowing me to be out here. And um, I'm really uh, grateful also to Angie Serrano for um, recommending me to pastor. That's a real privilege and an honor to be able to be out here. And I just really want to um, thank all the educators out here, all the people that are involved in education, administrators, principals, teachers, and parents even, right? ASB and everything else, uh, or uh, uh, the, the parent uh, teacher fellowship, all these sorts of things. Um, would you raise your hand if you're involved in education in any way or you have been involved in education in any way? Would you raise your hand? Um, can we just thank all these people? Um, these are Christians in education, and uh, they are valuable. You know, 90% of kids go to public schools. 90% of kids go to public schools, and these kids uh, need the hope of Jesus Christ. They need the love of Christ. They need that representation through those teachers and those administrators. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard of people who are impacted by a teacher or an administrator who was a Christian, who loved the Lord, who took the time out to spend time encouraging that kid who maybe uh, was fallen in his grades or was uh, a distraction in the classroom, these sorts of things. And uh, that's a huge blessing and that's a huge mission field that we have. Um, today we're going to be talking about the historical accuracy of the Bible. Um, I believe that when Jesus Christ said, he who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. When the storms of life came and, and they tried to knock that house down, that house stood firm. But that house can't stand firm if we don't believe the word of God, if we don't know the word of God. And so we have to read it, believe it, right, and then live it. And our lives become that house that's built on the rock. Um, a little bit about um, my ministry is called Educate for Life. And what I do is I'm responding to this, um, this difficulty. George Barna, he's a Christian statistician. He said in 2017, statistically, a very small amount of younger people have a biblical worldview. Only 4% of 18 to 30-year-olds and 7% of 30 to 49-year-olds. We are in a crisis, Barna said. If the church does not wake up and solve it, biblical Christianity in the United States is in jeopardy. And you've probably seen a lot of changes in the culture since you were in high school. Raise your hand if the culture has changed a lot since you were in high school. Okay? And a lot of people would say that our Christian values have been diminished in the public sector. And so I'm responding to this. That's what my ministry is all about, educateforlife.org. Everybody say free. Free. Well, that wasn't good enough. Everybody say free. Free. That was a little bit better. There are free DVDs in the back, okay? What I'm going to cover today is in a free DVD. It's a lot more comprehensive, and it's, I'm giving it to you because I believe it's so necessary as a tool to be able to help others know that the Word of God is true. I have one on the scientific accuracy of the Bible and one on the historical accuracy of the Bible. And I want kids to feel, to know that the Word of God is true. I want students to know that, and that begins, of course, with uh, us. So my curriculum is online. If you're interested in getting something like that, it's a lot. This is my wife and I here. Um, you'll notice I'm not, uh, I have a funny look on this picture. This was the only picture that showed my wife's whole dress. And she said, that's the picture I want you to use. So, so it, here she is right here. Uh, I'm embarrassing her. Um, she, we've been married. We celebrated our 18th anniversary yesterday. So could you um, give my wife a hand? <laughs> So uh, she's been a huge blessing in my life and an encouragement, and she puts up with me. So uh, she and prays for me and encourages me. She's a huge blessing. We have three little kids. These are our two girls. I think they're in the, the kids' program. And uh, Emma there um, on your left, and then on the right there is Savannah. I got to take them on a daddy-daughter date night with Chick-fil-A, and uh, we took a limo ride up to Mount Helix, and they thought that was amazing. They loved it. And so they're, they're really cute. And then I also have a son. He's 11 there. This is the radio studio. 
And uh, that's Graham and Emma and Savannah. And I, I, my wife was out of town, so I had to do a radio show. So I had to take my kids to the studio. Scariest thing I ever did. Uh, but we survived, and, uh, and we made it through it. We had a lot of fun. I do have a radio program every Saturday, uh, 2 to 3 uh, p.m. If you are interested in what I talk about this morning, uh, it'll be a blessing to you. You can listen to all kinds of things. Uh, not too long ago, I interviewed District Attorney Summer Steffen, and you guys, I just found out between services that Dr. Jamie Gates attends here. Well, look at that. Yeah, give him a hand, right? So he was on my radio program. Him and uh, District Attorney Summer Steffen actually uh, are fighting human trafficking, and uh, they, they're doing amazing stuff. Human trafficking is a big problem in our schools. Uh, we need to be praying about that and, and doing our best to be equipped there. Uh, San Diego is ranked 10th in human trafficking, and it's primarily among public high schools. So uh, that's a big issue. Um, also, I had the opportunity to uh, interview attorney Chuck Lamandry. He's the one that defended the cross on Mount Soledad uh, for about 20 years. And currently, he, is, uh, he was involved in a fight to prevent uh, the promotion of Islam in, in San Diego City schools. Uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, which is, um, I don't want to get into too much, too much of the weeds, but basically, they were trying to push um, essentially teaching uh, Islam in the public schools, and he was uh, fighting against that. Uh, very interesting discussion. I interviewed former Jehovah's Witness Michael Loray. Really nice guy. Um, what's amazing about his life is his testimony. He tried to commit suicide five times as a Jehovah's Witness. And he said the reason is, is because there's no grace in Jehovah's Witness. It's a works religion. They don't believe that Jesus can actually save you from your sins. And so they have to work their way to heaven. And that's why, why they work so hard. And he said I, I, he thought he would never be good enough. And he wanted to kill himself. And then he met Christ. And he said the grace of Christ that came into his life was overwhelming. Amen? And, and the reality is, is that we don't have to be perfect because he was. And, and so God loves us regardless of our mistakes and our faults and all the things we do wrong. Uh, Christ says, uh, the Bible says every day is a new morning. Every day we get renewed that, that grace and that truth of God and we're saved through that grace. Praise God for that. Um, I also interviewed Attorney Dean Broyles. He's defending Christian values in the San Diego Public Schools currently. Uh, Angie's actually working with him and uh, another friend of ours, Ashley, in um, the sex ed curriculum. It's very, very hostile to Christian values, and so he's uh, working to prevent that. I got to interview Julie Doan. She is an expert on video game and social media addiction. Okay, don't look at the person next to you, uh, but one in every ten people in America is now addicted to video games or social media. Okay, and so what's happening is, is it's actually taking on addictive qualities. Her husband was addicted to video games. They almost got divorced over it. Jesus rescued their marriage. They ended up going to church. Both got saved. And uh, he's now chief of psychiatry in the Navy. And uh, they have a ministry called Real Battle. And um, we helping kids get off addiction or if you're addicted to social media, you know, you stay up late into the night last night, not getting enough sleep to get to church in time, um, you know, they will help you out. Uh, very, very awesome ministry. Also interviewed Daniel Messiah. He's a former Muslim from Egypt. He was the nephew of the highest ranking military official in Egypt. He had a supernatural experience where um, uh, basically God showed up in his room. He felt a face against his face, an arm around his shoulders, and then an audible voice actually spoke to him. He was a dedicated Muslim, spoke to him and said, I'm your father. And there's more to the story than that, but he fell on the ground weeping, gave his life to Christ, 
and immediately began to share the gospel with everyone around him. And he does that today. He shares the gospel all over the world, sharing the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. So uh, an incredible testimony. Um, this guy right here, Victor Marks, you can pray for him. He's a high-risk missionary in Iraq. He rescues kids that have been kidnapped by, Syria, by uh, ISIS, uh, and he rescues these Syrian kids out of that situation. Incredible uh, testimony. You can see that interview on... Um, I'm going to skip that on, uh, on there. I've also been uh, handcuffed to an evolutionist for 24 hours. This is really funny. Um, but BuzzFeed actually contacted me and said, we'd like to handcuff you to an evolutionist for 24 hours. You, anybody know what BuzzFeed is? Anybody heard about BuzzFeed? Yeah? You got, all the high schoolers know what BuzzFeed is. So all the adults are like, what is that? So um, anyway, for 24 hours, we were handcuffed together. We have amazing discussions. Really, really interesting uh, thing. So... That's what I do. If you want to check that out, you can check it out on my website, uh, my radio program. I've also, I'm also an apologetics teacher. I've been teaching for 11 years. I have a master's degree in apologetics from Biola University. And I, apologetics specifically means to defend the Bible. That's what I do for a living is I defend the truth of God's word. And we're going to cover the fact that the Bible is real history this morning. There's a myth out there that the Bible is full of fables, that's full of tales that aren't grounded in real history. And I'm going to give you some evidence that shows you that's just not the case. And the reality is, is the Bible is the most accurate, ancient, historical text in existence. There's nothing like it. So let's start with number three. If you want the full thing, you'll have to get the DVD out back. It's free. This is number three, the Sumerian King List. Surviving copies of this list, they found this list. It has tons of kings on it. There's 15 copies they found of it. They dug it up out of the earth in different places around the world. And it has very interesting facts. It confirms the flood as recorded in the book of Genesis. It also mentions cities that are in the Bible, Kish and a king, who was Noah's grandson, Cush, as living after the flood. Cush was the father of Nimrod, right, who built the Tower of Babel. And the Bible talks about Noah, Ham, Cush, and Nimrod. Number three, it lit, the lifespans of the kings before the flood are much longer than after the flood. Interestingly, this is extra-biblical evidence that confirms what the Bible teaches about how long people lived. The list also mentions many names of cities also listed in the Bible, including Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, Kala, and Nineveh. And it mentions Gilgamesh on there, right? Gilgamesh, um, a lot of it's fictional, it looks like, but it also looks like it might have some historical aspects to it. Because Gilgamesh is actually looking for a man who has the secret to eternal life, and this man happens to live on an ark. Bizarre. But what this is, is this extra-biblical evidence that the Bible is real history. Okay? We have other testimonies. In fact, all around the world, they've now discovered over 400 flood stories in cultures all over the world that talk about a flood in which God judged the earth, and he saved a few people, along with animals, and ultimately... Uh, redeem the world, okay? And so, this is pretty incredible. Um, Hawaii has a legend. It says, long after the death of Kunihuhana, the first man, the world became a wicked, terrible place to live. There was one good man left. His name was Nu'u. He made a great canoe with a home on it and filled it with animals. The waters came to up over all the earth and killed all the people. Only Nu'u and his family were saved. There's an ancient Chinese classic called The High King. The Chinese, uh, it talks about Fu Hai, who the Chinese consider to be the father of their civilization. This history records that Fuhai, his wife, three sons, and three daughters escaped a great flood. Now, this is pretty amazing. This is the same amount of people that the Bible lists as being on the ark. He and his family were the only people alive on earth after the great flood. They repopulated the world. Well, that sounds a lot like the biblical story. 
The Toltec Indians of ancient Mexico said the first world lasted 17, 16 years and was destroyed by a great flood that covered the highest mountains. Only one family named Coxcox survived. Now, I could go on and on about this because there's tons of them. I had a good friend who was visiting the Indians in New Mexico. He was sitting in on some of their rituals that they do. In order to become a man, you have to recite the oral history of, of their entire uh, their nation, their tribe. Well, as he's sitting there listening, all of a sudden, one of the kids reciting it gets to a story of a flood in which the whole world was destroyed and only a few people survived. It's everywhere, this story. It's pretty amazing. The Bible is real history. The best-known copy of the Gilgamesh epic was actually found in Nineveh on a series of baked clay tablets. And in it, it actually talks about uh, the flood also. Ur has been found, which is the home of Abraham. The Bible mentions Ur as the home of Abraham four times. It's in Iraq, and they've uncovered this huge ziggurat at Ur. They've uncovered uh, archives, writings uh, about Ur. They've uncovered a temple. This is a, a view from the top of the ziggurat. And then uh, they've uncovered tombs. And these tombs have all kinds of uh, uh, gold and silver and all kinds of different expensive uh, things that they've found. Objects of great beauty there. So again, Ur is confirmed as a real place that Abraham actually lived. Now, the Hittites is a really interesting one. For a long time, the Hittites were thought to be fictional because nobody, they said, hey, there's no archaeological evidence that the Hittites ever existed. This is my token skeptic. It's Michael Shermer. He's the president of the Skeptic Society. And you can see up there, he says, the Hittites are an imaginary people made up by the biblical authors. Well, then they found the capital in 1906. They excavated the capital, and the skeptics had to back off, right? Darn it. It's true. Dang. Okay, so um, the Hittites are mentioned 40 times, and this happens again and again and again. And especially for you high school students, I want you to be aware in your life, you're going to hear the Bible attacked again and again and again and again. And they're going to say, it's not true, it's not true, it's not true. The Bible has been attacked for over 2,000 years, and it always comes out unscathed. You know that at one time, Einstein, Einstein actually said the universe had no beginning in 1915. The smartest scientist in the world said the universe had no beginning in 1915. He said he proved it with his math. But in 1916, he changed his mind. He said, I was wrong. But the Bible got it right 3,500 years before Einstein got it right. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. You know, you can build your life on the Word of God. There's nothing else that is more true than the Word of God. That's what we need to build our lives on. That's what we need to invest our time in understanding and believing and following. So they found the entire Hittite Empire. They found uh, this huge t- gate going into the city. They found all kinds of articles uh, again, they found archives, libraries of the writings of the Hittites, and again, it confirmed the truth of God's word. The Hittites are a real, uh, a real uh, people. Now, King David, again, he was considered not to be a real person. They said, look, if this guy was so powerful, then we would have some evidence of him. We've never even found his name in any archaeology. Right? There he is, saying it again. This guy. What, what? You'd think he'd learn by now, but he doesn't. Okay, this is my punching glove. Uh, I'm not advocating violence against uh, skeptics. This is just for humor. Uh, It's very low-tech humor, but uh, it's humorous anyway. Okay, so um, they in um, 1993 and 94 they actually found for the first time a reference to King David. It was on something called the Tel Dan Stel. This is it right here, and in Aramaic it actually says House of David. And what's really interesting about it 
is that it's a reference from an enemy king saying that he had won a war against the house of David. And now they've found three references to King David, proving again that he's a true biblical uh, person of history. Now, this one is pretty amazing. It's Hezekiah's Tunnel. Anybody been to Israel and been in Hezekiah's Tunnel? Anybody? Okay, we got one person. Wow, pastor's the only one. This is incredible. If you ever get to go to Israel, this, this is my favorite thing in this whole lesson. Everybody say Hezekiah's Tunnel. Okay, if there's one thing I want you to remember from this whole message this morning, it's Hezekiah's Tunnel because it's absolutely phenomenal. It's a third of a mile long. It's 30 feet underground and it goes through solid rock. There's still water in the tunnel. The tunnel was built by King Hezekiah thousands of years ago, and they just found it. It confirms the tunnel that's talked about in the Bible. Now, I don't know who this girl is in the tunnel. I just Googled Hezekiah's tunnel, and this happened to be the best picture. Um, If you're claustrophobic, you don't want to go in Hezekiah's tunnel because it gets really narrow. I had a student who once told me he was going on a tour through Hezekiah's tunnel, and there was a really large man... Uh, in front of him and they got into part of the tunnel and the guy got stuck. Can you believe if that was you, right? You're in water, it's dark, right? And you have your own lights, right? Then your light goes out. What do you do, right? You're in trouble. You pray really hard, okay? Now, I know some people, are their palms are getting sweaty right now thinking about it, right? So here, they had to back out of the tunnel. So this tunnel here was built by Hezekiah because Sennacherib, the enemy king, was coming, the Assyrian king was coming to lay siege to Judah. And he built it to get water into the city. Now, he was desperate to get water into the city. They didn't have any modern technology. All they had were pickaxes. Pickaxes, and they had to meet and find each other. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Well, they found the tunnel. This is what it looks like. Is that incredible or what? Everybody say Hezekiah's Tunnel. Listen, the next time somebody says to you, the Bible's just a bunch of stories, you say to them, have you ever heard of Hezekiah's Tunnel? Because it's not just the tunnel. In 1880, two boys were exploring this tunnel. They had found it. And they found the Siloam Tunnel inscription, which is written by Hezekiah celebrating the completion of the tunnel. And that's not all. Sennacherib Prism, this is the enemy king writing about the same event as is written in the Bible. It was found in Nineveh, hundreds of miles away. And it's a historical record of the same event, but written by the guy that was trying to take over Judah. So we have the Bible confirming the story. We have the tunnel confirming the story. We have the Siloam Tunnel inscription confirming the story. And we have the enemy of Judah confirming the story. But what's funny about the Sennacherib prism is that it tells the whole story and then it stops at the part where God rescues all of Judah with an angel. It says we had them trapped like a bird in the cage. And then the whole story stops on the Sennacherib prism. But if you read the Bible, you see what ended up happening. The Bible says that an angel of the Lord came and smote 185,000 Assyrians. And that Sennacherib went home and his own kids, his boys, murdered him. That's what happened. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible is historically true. But it's not just historically true. It's psychologically true. It's spiritually true. It's financially true. It's true for all areas of your life. There is no book that we should know better than the word of God. Jesus said, he who builds his life on my words, who puts my words into action, is like a man who built his life on the rock. 
his house on the rock. When the storms of life came, that house stood firm. And if we build our lives on the word of God, that house will stand firm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, Jacob's well has also been found in Jesus' time. Jesus met a woman at the well. And he had this long discussion with her about the fact that he was the Messiah. He was the one that would save all people from their sins. He said, if you drink from the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. And we know you can go and stand next to the well where Jesus had that discussion with the woman at the well. This is it. It's now covered by a a church building. There's the well itself. There's a close-up of the well. There's still water in the well. Incredible. The Bible is true. You know, the Pool of Siloam is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's where Jesus talks to this blind man and he says, I'm going to heal you. He spits in the mud. He takes the mud and then he smears it on the blind man's eyes. Now, this is a strange thing to do, isn't it? If my kid, my son, spit in the mud and then smeared it on his sister's eyes, he would be in big trouble. Amen, Graham? Amen. Okay. He would be in big trouble. I would punish somebody for doing that, but Jesus did it. Now, Jesus, he provokes us to think. Have you ever felt like God spit in the mud and then smeared it on your eyes? Have you ever felt like, my life is really hard. Things are not going the way I wanted, God. I feel like you just smeared mud on my eyes, right? Amen? We've all been through difficulties in life where it feels like God is not treating us right. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we trust him, we end up being able to see. Isn't that true? The hard times sometimes are what God allows us to go through so that we can end up being healed of our blindness. That's happened in my own life. And I'm sure that God is working that out in your life as well. But the hard part is trusting him when he puts the mud on your eyes, isn't it? What are you doing, Jesus? I want to encourage you to trust him. The Word of God says you can trust Him and you can build your life on the Word of God. A lot of people said this story wasn't true because the Pool of Siloam was dated to the 5th century A.D. and Jesus lived in the 1st century. But in 2005, they actually found the real Pool of Siloam. They were building a new road. And in Israel, whenever you're building something, if they find something that's archaeological evidence, right, you actually have to stop building. Worst place in the world to be a contractor, let me tell you, because you have to stop all the time. I was interviewing a biblical archaeologist on the radio, and I said to him, how often do you find something that confirms the truth of the the Bible? Now, I expected him to say, like, oh, once a year we find something. He said to me, Kevin, we find something every single day. I said, how is that possible? He said, there's 37,000 archaeological dig sites in Israel alone, and we find something every day. The Bible is true. This is the real pool of Siloam, and it is dated to the first century. It was only 200 yards away. Uh, Another one is people attack Luke. They said he uses this word polytarch. Polytarch's not even a real word. We've never found it in any other ancient writing. It's a made-up word. You can't trust Luke. He's totally unreliable. There there, he's saying it again. Okay. Then, since then, they've found 32 inscriptions of the word polytarch, extra-biblical evidence in archaeology, and they now know it means city authorities. Luke is vindicated. And all the skeptics have to leave. There he goes. More special effects. Okay, so the last one I'm going to talk with you about today is the Praetorium. It's Herod's Palace. This one's pretty amazing because this is where Jesus was led before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate has an amazing conversation 
with Jesus. It's one of the most amazing conversations. Pontius Pilate asks Jesus if he's a king. And Jesus says, you are correct in saying I'm a king. And he says, all people that love the truth hear my voice. Right? All people that are my sheep, they hear my voice and they believe it. He has this conversation. And then Pilate says something very interesting. It's the same thing our culture says today. He says, what is truth? And you know what he means when he says, what is truth? He means there's no such thing as truth and nobody can know it. And this is the lie that the devil would like every one of us to believe. That truth is unknowable. But it is knowable. God has made it plain to us. Romans 1 says that it's very clear. Okay? But oftentimes what happens is we or the devil suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. And so, uh, watch this clip. This is the praetorium that they've discovered. Um, and this scene in the Bible is from, uh, is, is where this is, happens. So it's a powerful claim. You know, the Book of Mormon has not a single archaeological find supporting it. Not a single one. There's no metal in ancient America. The animals that the Book of Mormon says are in America at the time of, quote, the Nephites, said that they don't exist. We have no evidence whatsoever. There's no maps in the Book of Mormon because they can't find it on planet Earth. The descriptions of the hills and the valleys and the, the bodies of water, they don't exist. And there's no writings of the Nephites. The Nephites were said to be over two million people, but we have no writings or coins or anything of them. The Book of Mormon does not compare to the Bible. The Quran says that Alexander the Great was a Muslim. Alexander the Great believed he was God. He was a pagan. He didn't believe, believe in it. Islam didn't, hadn't even come around yet. This, it says that the Samaritans um, made the golden calf. Samaritans didn't exist when Moses was with the Israelites and they made the golden calf. It says that Jews believe Ezra is the son of God. That's nowhere to, believe, to be uh, found. It says that Pharaoh used crucifixion. Crucifixion didn't come around to the time of the Romans. Pharaohs, the Egyptians never used crucifixion. It says that the Trinity is the father, mother, and son. And it says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is also the sister of Moses. Now, this is because Muhammad was illiterate. He couldn't read or write, so he just picked up stuff here and there, and he confused Mary with Miriam. And so he made Mary both the mother of Jesus and the sister of Moses. And there's tons of errors like this, both in the Book of Mormon and in the Quran. But the Bible stands alone. The Bible is the word of God. That Pilate asked, what is truth? Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, 78 times in the New Testament. He said, I tell you the truth. He was obsessed with truth. He said, the truth will set you free. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth is found 183 times in the New Testament. The Bible in John 17 Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. God's word is truth. I believe that this statistic about that George Barna is saying here has a lot to do with losing our emphasis on the truth of God's word. It is true historically, spiritually, psychologically, financially. It's true from every angle. It's what we can build our word of God on, build our, our lives on. Um, and I'm trying, that's what my ministry is about, and I'm trying to push back against that. Um, and uh, everybody say free. 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 One more time. Everybody say free. 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 There are free DVDs, one on the historical accuracy of the Bible and one on the scientific accuracy of the Bible out back after the service. 
and uh, I would love for you to pick them up. We're also doing a special event on May 15th. This is for educators, anybody involved in education, principals, vice principals, secretaries, parents, students uh, that are going to schools. This event, we have an expert coming in. His name is Eric Buer. He used to work with Gary Bauer and Chuck Colson. What he does is he makes people comfortable with the legality of sharing your faith in schools. He shows you exactly where the lines are so that you're not afraid that you're going to violate a law. And he's, what he's doing is easing the tension that teachers feel about being Christian in education. And we would love to have you out. It's also a free event, and it's meant to encourage you and equip you and inform you. And I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to listen to me, and thank you, Pastor, for having me out. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Pastor.